Welcome to the Hit Factor. We are excited to talk to you guys about shooting today. And Sasquatch has been telling us about GSSSSFF. I don't I don't really know how many I don't know how many like S's there are, or F's there are, yeah. or I don't really know. Um You forgot like two S's and three F's. That gum it. I'll get it next time. So Sasquatch has made the claim that the guys who are good at <laughs> GSSSSSSFF are <laughs> basically they're equal to like super squad level dudes or like they're as good as the guys that are really good at steel challenge. And that, so if, if no, one of us was no. going to shoot Glock GSS things matches uh, that we would really struggle to compete. I said the guys that are <laughs> dominating in GSF would be. That's er- definitely not enough S's. <laughs> I said that they are very good at what they're doing. The guys dominating there are probably about super squad level shooters. And it would be like us trying to jump in steel challenge and compete with like Poji or somebody that's really good at steel challenge. Like it, you're not, it's not going to happen if you're not training for it. Cause those guys that are winning all those, like uh, Brian Dover wins a ton of them and he's from back in my home area. And he was a, he was a solid. He's from like, like, wait, where are Sasquatches? Where is like home area for a Sasquatch? Is it North or South? Northeast Missouri. Huh? I always kind of, I guess that's a, I'm thinking more of a Yeti, I guess. So I know Brian used to shoot USPSA back in the day. And I think he was pretty good at it when he shot it. Yeah, so I'm just going to, like, look, people can roast Jeremy if they want to roast Jeremy, but uh, I'm going to claim I have pure ignorance as far as GSSF uh, things, but I highly, I'm very skeptical of saying that the guys at GSSF are, like, as good as Poji is with a revolver in Steel Challenge. I did not say they were as good as him. I said it's like a similar thing of like you trying to jump in there and compete. It's doing the same thing consistently, very well, all the time. And that's what those guys are doing. Like they're good shooters, but they're doing the exact same shooting all the time. I nominate Jeff to go like to shoot GSSF because he needs to win guns. He needs free guns. Uh, yeah. Glocks, we'll would, see how he Glocks would be an improvement over his current firearm. I am going to. I'm going to go shoot it with my Glock 48. I got a 48 coming. I'm going to go shoot some GSSF. What kind of shooting is it? There's, uh, I haven't shot it in like six years, but there used to be three courses of fire. I assume they're the same. And one of them was, I think, like three paper. It's, it's all like low ready, no reloads or anything. And it's time plus scoring. It was like three paper, one at like 10, one at 15, one at 20 or 25 or something. There was one with four paper and one steel. And it was, I think like the two of the paper were at like seven or 10 yards and two of them were at like 20. Made out like the shape of an M with the steel in the middle. And then the other one is just a plate rack. And I think you shoot the plate rack five times. All from low ready. So it's like... uh it's like Bianchi Cup. Yeah, yeah, that would probably be similar. But like you're talking uh shooting your forty eight, so I guess that's like compact division. I brought up some results here. Oh no, not the girls section. That's probably not you. Let's see. Mm. Pocket non binary. Yeah. So po- pocket. pocket glock, that would be the uh division that your forty eight would be in. The winning really? time it's- at the last year's Hallsville, Missouri match was 39.03 seconds, including all penalties. Okay. That doesn't I sound mean, that means, means absolutely nothing to me. Well, that, but, that's, uh, well, you can look up the courses, but I think it's three runs each on the five to Glock course, which is the one I was talking about with a bunch of paper at different ranges. Uh, three runs on the Glock M, which is the one with the steel in the middle. And I think it's five runs on the plates, but I don't remember. So 
So basically, it's whoever can shoot the plate rack the fastest is probably going to win. No, it's it's shooting it all accurately. So like the the guy that won that one was uh, Brian Dover, and he had seven seconds in additional time for penalties. So that would be I don't know probably like three, uh, like seven Charlies maybe equivalent. It's like a Bianchi second. It's, it's a like second a Bianchi B eight target. Yeah, I think it is. Down. Like that sounds like something Jeff could dominate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they're 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 very cool if you're not like gonna be competing against the people that are considered masters in it. So if you haven't ever shot them before, I think I don't know if being a GM in USPSA will make you a master or not. But if you haven't ever shot them before, it's really easy to win a gun. But once you win three guns and you become a master, and they're way harder to win. That was the entire point of the conversation we were having about it not just being easy. Right. It was how to get paid. Yeah. How do you how get, get rich? a baller? Dude, yeah. the guys, a crappy Tupperware gun. The guys that run around and shoot them everywhere, like if they win everything, I think they make like $1,000 a match. Like four or $500 in cash and a Glock certificate. Hmm. Interesting. Jeff is well, intrigued. That, yeah, that beats the hell out of USPSA. And you could literally just dry fire to train for that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Peace, boys. I'm out. You're done with me. Right, so, oh, they I'm won't use a GSSF. No, I should have can't Glock. use a canic. You have to use a Glock. Yeah, yeah. I'm a Glock fanboy. I'm a Glock fanboy. As of I right thought now. You could, I thought you could shoot a non Glock, but you couldn't win a Glock if you shot a non Glock. I don't know. I think you have to shoot a Glock. Oh. I like I don't I don't know. Okay, so people if uh if you got if we got some big GSSFF um match people that are like into it, the watch listen, uh tell us how wrong and dumb we are and how cool it is or or tell us how right we are or how wrong Sasquatch is. Either way is fine. You guys you guys want to come up and shoot <laughs> Oh Sasquatch gosh, he's dying. dying. No, I've, I've had a allergies have been kicking my butt this year. Um, you just choked on a small child's femur. <laughs> yeah, that that is all. It went in sideways. He had a tough time getting it down. <laughs> we could we could go shoot the uh, the one in Hallsville. We could all go shoot it. It's in August twenty first through the twenty second. It's like you want me to drive to Kansas City. You only drive like eight or nine hours, however far it is to Kansas City to no, shoot a Glock no, match. No, no, you're gonna drive to Jeff's house. Jeff's going to drive to my house, and I'll drive to the range. I'd do that. Yeah, let's do it. I'm down. Isn't that when Area 3 is, though, somewhere around there? Area 3 is, like, first weekend of August. I'm pretty sure that weekend's open. We should go shoot it. Or is it? Or is Area 3 in July this year? If it's, it's July, it's, like, July 30th or something. Yeah, it's always the it's always the very first, like, weekend of August. So I think it's, like, the 31st through the 2nd or 3rd or whatever. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Right on my Dude, I would try some GSSF. I, I know a guy here, uh, Aaron Aaron Armitrout, that shoots a lot of GSSF. He like travels can, around and does it. We can go. We can go shoot it. We can all share my G17. You can shoot it in pretty much every division. I have a 19. That's too small for my hand. I'm gonna have a 48 eventually. I got two Glock certs. I'm sure I can get. Well, I probably can't get a gun by then, but I can get yeah. some sort of something. I think we should plan this. I think we should go shoot it. We can Dude, report, it'd be fun. We can report back. On, it would be a fun trip. I would actually really like to shoot the Bianchi Cup, too. Uh, it's next weekend, right? Yeah, it's Is here it? pretty soon. Well, I'm, I'm, so my local club, I'm like an hour and a half or whatever from the Bianchi Cup or two hours. So my local club uh, does a lot of action pistol as well. So the week before the Bianchi Cup, they have the Flagler Cup. And I think that was this last weekend. Okay. So why don't you shoot it? Why don't you go shoot it? Because it does not look interesting to me. I've They do an indoor match like every other Wednesday or something. And when I was first getting into competition shooting, I shot a few of them. Uh, didn't, didn't find it all that entertaining. So I never really looked into it any further. 
It's about Bianchi looks interesting to me. It's, I, I guess you could describe it kind of like Steel Challenge for me. Like, I know it's got its own challenges because it's doing the same thing like super consistently. But I like how USPSA everything's different all the time. It's not just the same thing over and over and over. Yeah, see, I I enjoy the the consistency side of like Steel Challenge because it. I don't know. I think we've talked about this before. It just trains different things, right? It's like you you can you can hyper focus on your small details, skills, mindset, stuff like that. You don't have so much to think about. There's a lot less to think about. So you can like hyper focus on smaller smaller things. I'm going to shoot some steel challenge this weekend probably. Good deal. I like it. I would shoot I would shoot some Bianchi. I think that that could be kind of fun. I've never really like gotta, seriously looked into it, but I would it'd be kind of fun. Maybe I'll do that next dude, year. Maybe that's yeah. my goal for next year is to shoot Bianchi Cup. Is it hard to get dude, into? Dude, you you okay. should like you should build a like a special Bianchi Cup gun. Yeah. It'd be kind of fun. It'd actually be kind of fun cuz they like they do like crazy weird things and yeah. I don't really like you look at the guns and I don't necessarily know why they I know there's like a barricade and so like building stuff to brace against a barricade and it's like I know that they're doing stuff like that, but uh It'd be kind of fun to build one. So my, my understanding of the guns and seeing some like from some of the local guys and stuff that have them, like their magwells are made so that they can like rest the gun on the ground for yeah. shooting prone. They have the barricade stop like you were talking. So it has wings on each side. So they just like hit it against the barricade and brace it with their hand to shoot like as stable as possible. And then mm-hmm. they also have a, for the optic divisions, like the optic has a mover setting so that it offsets the optic appropriately for how fast the target is moving from yeah. left to right and right to left. Yeah. But they're they're kind of crazy. See that like that starts getting to a point where it makes me almost not want to shoot Bianca because it's like <laughs> Oh someone it gets was in a such crazy like specialized equipment that it's like okay, like that that's less interesting because I don't necessarily know if I want to go that deep into Bianchi Cup. So someone was telling me also now with the iron sight pistols that they also make a mover front sight for it. So it's like got a ball to tin or whatever, and you can just slide it over either direction for the mover target. Oh, that's crazy. Wow. You should do it, Jeremy. Those guys go prone to shoot like a 25-yard plate rack. Well, yeah, because you can't miss. So, yeah, they go prone. They get as stable as they possibly can. Yeah. Maybe I'll just go shoot it just with a regular gun and just see how I do. Well, yeah, if, that's what I would want to do. Just show you, up yeah. with your regular ass gun. Yeah. If you if you want to try it next year, why don't we all register for the Flagler Cup? It's like forty minutes from my house. It's the weekend before. <laughs> there it is. There it is. I'll yeah. shoot it. I'll shoot it if you guys want to do that one. I'm not driving all the way to <laughs> Columbia and spending like five days there to shoot a match I don't care about. Jeff will go with me. Let's do Bianchi Cup next year. Dude, I'm down. That would be fun. Try something new. Dude, I love try- You know how much I love trying new things. I, I'll, it's a new experience, man. We got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, actually, Bianchi Cup would be fun. I'll probably, I might, I might look into doing Bianchi Cup next year. We, yeah, build three guns. We'll all use one of your guns. <laughs> there you go. Well, if I built, I would just, if y'all were going to use my gun, I would just build one gun and then just let it isn't, rotate isn't around. The best gun to shoot it with, like a, a nine millimeter single stack. I think that's pretty you, well, that's pretty common as far as what people use. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I got, I got enough parts laying around. I could probably slap together something. Uh, it's got to be extremely accurate. Yeah. In that game, yeah, it'll you, be extremely accurate. Those guns have to shoot well. Yeah. It'll be awesome. I'll, I'll bet I can like put back together my original Rock Island. I bet I still have enough parts to do that. Oh, I bet that's a quality pistol. <laughs> probably, probably the only thing that puts it to shame is the canic. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, please, please slap together a parts drawer, Rock Island Armory, and then go shoot <laughs> Bianchi Cup with that. I, I I would I would feel comfortable shooting my my shadow two in it. 
Yeah, those are pretty accurate guns. Yeah. Yeah. They shoot well. The last the last two I got shoot extremely well. I would That'd have to fun. brush up on my uh, 50 yard because I think Bianchi has a 50 yard stage. Do they? I think I'm not, so. I'm not sure. I, I think, think there's, there's some 50 yard stuff. I think there's four events, right? I think there's a plate rack, the, the plate rack, the barricade, yeah. Yeah. and then I think there's just like uh, open turning targets. I think that one goes to 50. And then there's the mover. And I think they only shoot the mover back to 25, but I might be wrong. And I think there's once I thought there. See, this is probably this is a terrible podcast. We're talking about something we know about. I thought there was yeah. one that actually had a movement portion to it, like not like a big movement. But I thought there was a, a movement portion on one of the stages. Um, but it's like maybe how not. fast you but can get down. On we'll your look belly. at it. Yeah, right? that's. I mean, yeah, that's part of it. All right, Jeff, you got some uh, hot hitting topics for us tonight. Uh, I man, I just wanted to touch on the the Foley Gate, man. I just want to hear y'all's thoughts. Like we don't have to get into it, but just just thoughts. I mean, it's everybody's talking about it right now. It's a big deal. Right. This podcast is about USPSA, so it's like, how can we not at least touch on it? What's going on? Uh, people, you know, people overseas might be interested. People uh, in Canada might be interested. I don't know. Or people that regularly listen might genuinely wonder what we think about it. Okay, so first off, for listeners that don't have a clue, can somebody give like just a really quick synopsis of what took place at uh, Locat Nationals? I, I will I will dumb it down. I will preface this with I did not see it, did not hear it. So this is yeah. me having the internet for the last like week. Yeah. So apparently Foley got into quite the yelling match with a member at Nationals. Well, the member is Trevor Cotter. Like that. Like that's not. Yeah, like, I was. I was dumbing look, it down as like much as possible here. So he got he got into it with Trevor Cotter. <laughs> um, it sounded like many uh, curse words were exchanged. Uh, I guess a lot of people saw it. And it has come to the attention of the board, and they are currently investigating it. I think that uh, briefly sums it up. Yeah, were they? that's pretty good summarization. Yeah, I mean, so I think we can give maybe a little bit more detail. And I don't like I'm not super scrubbed because like I kind of like heard about it, kind of like listened to it, and like I haven't spent a lot of time on it. But something about Cotter asked for a ride to the like from the like to his car, right in a golf cart. Wouldn't Foley in a golf cart and Cotter asked for a ride or something like that? Is that right? See, now we're get, now we're getting into details that we really <laughs> we really don't know. Again, that 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 is, I think, what was put out in the screenshots of the email. Don't, okay. Don't, I don't know. I don't know what what's true there, what's not. Yeah, and then so then it basically basically came to like Cotter was saying. Uh, you don't you don't like me. I'm somebody you don't like, so of course you're not going to give me a ride or something like that. And Foley's like, I don't know who the f you are. Uh, and th- like, then they just get into like a screaming match, like f you, f you, f you, basically. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it was an f like, you match. Yeah, it was an f you match, and it was like it was extremely apparently fairly contentious, and in most other circumstances, somebody would have got a complete beatdown. Uh, luckily, luckily there were no, uh, hands thrown. Uh, there wasn't any of that happening. All it needs to stop a fist fight is a good guy with a gun. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I feel like a fist fight would have been way more interesting, but the mature side of me is glad that there wasn't like a fist fight at USPSA nationals, like where there's guns and all that sort of stuff like that. Like part of me is like, I'm really glad that that didn't happen for like media to get a hold of and stuff. Part of me is also like extremely sad that there wasn't like a knockout brawl like fist fight right that would i don't think i don't think anybody was geared up like i don't think anybody had a belt on pretty sure nobody had a belt on at that point i think they're all just getting back to their vehicles so yeah so like i don't think a a fist fight would have been totally in order i mean jeff would have thrown down if you're gonna have a fist fight at, at a pistol match that would have been a great time to do it Okay, Jeff, let's let's do this scenario. If it was me, 
and Mike Foley I'll was. You. I'll punch you right no, now. No, 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 no. You're my buddy. You're my oh. buddy standing there behind me. Oh, okay. And, and okay, okay. F you and F, F and me. Oh, like he's just saying F you, oh, F you, yeah. F you. Like, are you going to oh, yeah. like stand up for me or are you just going to sit there uh, and laugh and like push me into him? Dude, no. It would have been freaking Muay Thai flying knee to the face kind of deal. <laughs> Well, I'm just going to point out, if, if that was happening to you, I'm just going to leave because whatever happened, you probably deserved it, and I don't really care. <laughs> wow. Also also true, but I'm always looking for a good reason hey, hey, to you throw in the flying You knee, did not so. make me bake in the last day of Nationals. <laughs> we've, we've already been over that. Uh, so don't, don't expect me to defend you in a fight if you're not feeding me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta have to bring some more food next time. So anyway, so that's that's kind of the uh, what happened. Uh, it was at our national event, and uh, so yeah, uh, the board is the board has had one hearing on it, and I believe that was basically all under what do they call executive session or whatever. So none of those minutes are um, made known, and I believe they're looking at whether or not they're going to suspend or terminate Foley as president at this point. Yeah. Uh, I think it's worth, it's worth saying this is not the first incident of Foley losing his cool uh, and just like behaving like basically just, well, he's behaving like a jackass. Like there's really kind of no other way to, to say it, but that's just kind of how he's behaving and, and very inappropriate. Yeah. yeah. So the question okay, then so is, is he worth, do you kick Foley out for it? Right. Well, I'll go first here. I would say if, once they investigated, if what was in that email that was screenshotted was true, I would say that he has shown that he no longer should be serving as president. If if a member or somebody gets you that hot that you start a incident like that at Nationals, in view of a ton of people, like what do you do whenever you're sending emails privately or corresponding at locals and stuff like that? It's just, it's not a good look for the organization. Mm, And that's one thing I would point out from this is that like, but both of them have been getting lit up really hard on social media the last like week. It is a, it is not a good look for us at all as a group. Right. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. Jeremy? Uh, so, I mean, basically, there's two schools of thought on this, right? Like, there's the people who are, like, most of the people that, like, there, there's a large contingent that want fully gone already. And most of them are, like, licking their chops, like, now we have a reason, right? Which, yeah. part of me is, like, Foley has to know that there was a large contingent of people that wanted him out. Because there's like lots of podcasts that talk about he needs to be out, um, <laughs> yeah. and so like part of me would would think that a reasonable human being would know that, and they would know how public this situation was, and so probably would just not react in a manner that's unbecoming of somebody who's running an organization. Um, so yeah, I. You know, then and the other the other side of it is is lots of people are saying like, what you like is this where we're at in the world? Like somebody got their feelings hurt, so now we have to lose their job. Like is that is that where we're at? Um, I disagree with that sentiment. Like, like I'm sorry, but there has to be a certain level of professionalism that the uh, yeah. the president of an organization displays, and. If it was a one-off event for like somebody that had like fully had history with that like like that if it was Ben Steger, right? I mean like they they hate each other. Like that's no that's not that they both hate each other, right? If mm-hmm. Ben had come up to Foley at freaking nationals and like egged him on, like and really tried to like and and Foley kind of said, get the F away from me and like like kind of let him have it a bit, I don't think yeah. anybody would have batted an eye at that. Like nobody right, would yeah. have batted and nobody would have thought anything of that. But this is a just a member that you serve, like you you serve this member. You said like assuming that email is correct, Foley didn't even know who he is. So it's just some stranger to Foley. And that's how he like he reacts in that manner. 
this dude is not like he's unhinged. Like he's not stable. Like that's like that's <laughs> like that's just like like at some point, like you probably shouldn't even have guns to be shooting at matches if that's like if you get that hot that fast, then like oh damn. Then maybe like maybe you shouldn't even be allowed to shoot matches because holy crap, what if an RO pisses you off? Like, are you like Oh shit. So I'm I am kind of I'm in the I'm in the camp of uh yeah, Foley should probably lose his job over this. Like it's like I'm sorry, like that's it's there's repeated like this is not new. This has happened again and again. Um there's plenty of grounds under the bylaws like putting the sport in disrepute and all that sort of stuff. There's more than enough grounds there to uh to terminate him. Well, like you bring up your point, like the people have been like, this is what the world's come to. I'm pretty confident that if I walked into work and got really aggressive with someone and started calling them a motherfucker, like I'm probably going to be having a sit down meeting with HR and they're probably going to collect my employee badge and give me a box at the front door and tell me to go home. Yeah. Like, like, like you, you couldn't do that in any like professional setting and maintain your job. Like, yeah. like, like there's no there's no professional setting where you behave like that to a subordinate like and keep your job like that's not happening. Yeah. Um, I mean, I shouldn't say that's not happening, but basically nowadays that's not happening. So and and they have employed like a, a third party investigative team, haven't they? Yeah. So apparently, there's been some. This is this is rumors and hearsay, but there's been threats of lawsuits. Um, and so the board has hired a. Well, the USPSA has its own um, attorney that they that they have. So they are using that attorney to investigate this matter, and they're letting the the findings of that third party's investigation help determine what they do um, going forward. Right. Hmm. Man, uh, spicy it's, stuff. It's it's worth it to know that uh, the removal of the president requires a three quarters vote, uh, three quarters yes from the board of directors. Um, yeah. So that's six of the eight, six of the eight uh, board members, area directors would have to vote yes to remove Foley. Yeah, yeah. And I think they've all voted unanimously to further the investigation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they with the allegation, there's no way you you don't vote yes to for the alleg- to further the investigation. Yeah, Jeff, what do you think? You're a live and let live kind of guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think you should have been roasted a long time ago. Um, I mean, this dude, this is like the fifth occurrence or something of him uh, acting highly unprofessional with with members, uh, threatening banning people. Calling people names, highly, highly inappropriate names. Yeah. Uh, yeah, dude. I've, and, you know, I think Jeremy and I were talking about this. Mike was kind of thrust into this position, uh, not having any history of, of being a, in a, a professional leadership position before, as far as I know of. Uh, it's, this was kind of his like, trial run i guess yeah he came from didn't he come from shooters connection yes yeah that's what i heard yes yeah he was working at shooters Uh, connection i mean that immediately prior yeah so i think it's just very apparent that he has no idea how to act in a professional manner in an organization in the position that he's in and every time that the board doesn't get him out of there after he does something like this. It's just, it's a little bit more faith lost in the organization on my part. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, they have to get him out of there soon. If, if he keeps, yeah, he should have been out of there a long time ago or not. In my opinion, uh, I got nothing against him personally, just like as far as being the leader of this organization, he, is a terrible, terrible face to the organization. Like, makes it look absolutely terrible and childish. Yeah, that's my opinion. That's my opinion. That is, uh, you can take it, leave it, whatever. It doesn't matter. Well, that's probably the most important part. Like, I noticed, like, 
some of the pages I follow on like Facebook and stuff, like people who don't even shoot through or shoot USPSA, like 100% three gunners and stuff have picked all this up. And like people who are uninvolved in USPSA are like, is this the type of people that are at matches? Like this, right. how the orcs yeah. ran? Like it's not, it's not good for our primary goal of growing the shooting sports in the U.S. Like that is like the mission statement of USPSA is something along those lines. Right. That, or any, go ahead. That's not the, uh, the best way to do that is not making a huge scene that floats all over the internet and everybody hears about. Yeah. So, and then, you know, if you want to get just a smidge more political about it, uh, um, do it. <laughs> I know Jeremy's just chomping at the bit to get political. Uh, you know, if you if you have someone like this leading an organization that's a bunch of people that are, uh, you know, two A advocates or whatever, uh, and this is the type of person that can't hold their shit together. Uh, you know, I was I was even talking to my wife about this. I was telling her about all the drama, and she was like, she, she basically just like, oh yeah, well, I'm not really surprised with you know with the the type of people that that run there. I'm like, eh, well. There you go. Wow. There you go. He's uh, he's doing us a lot of favors as a community, right? Yeah. Yeah, just even the, not just the action pistol, but the like the 2A community as a whole. Like it does help like the left's narrative that oh there's a bunch of redneck Neanderthals that don't know how to behave. Well, with somebody who's supposed to be leading one of the largest competition programs in the country, they would be proven correct by Mike's actions. Right, exactly, exactly. Anyway, so, that's all I had. Yeah, it, it doesn't take, like, you don't, it takes only a couple of screenshots to basically prove that, like, the standing of putting the sport in disrepute, uh, I don't exactly, I don't remember the wording of that, uh, for the reasons of removing a um, president from office, but that's one of the main ones. And like, it would only take a couple screenshots to prove that that is what's happened. Yeah, for sure. And I think anyway. basically, I, I think like my sense of it, and I could be like, I haven't talked to a board member. Like I haven't, I don't, I don't have like any, but just my general sense of it is that Mike is probably done, but the board is trying to do all their due diligence to make sure that they have all the facts and everything is, as closely as they can from what happened at this event uh, to make sure that that they can justifiably terminate him. Um, that's my yeah. sense of it. And that may be me thinking pie in the sky. I don't know how many of these, how many of the board members love fully hate fully. I don't really know. Um, but that's just my sense of what's, what's probably going to happen. I I would not be surprised if we uh, see a special election for a new president in the next couple of months. Yeah. So what would happen is my understanding of it is that um, Sherwin Greenfield, who is the area three director is the, is a vice president. I'm not sure which title he holds, but basically he is. Yes. Okay. He's vice. He's also, he's area three director, but he's also vice president. And so then if Foley was removed, Sherwin would become the president unless he abdicated. I don't know if that's the right term either. That's like a big word that like, I think they use like for like English Kings, like they abdicate. I don't know. But if he, if he said, I don't want to be president, then, then we would have a special election. Um, And given that Sherwin is, his tenure is finished at the end of this year. Correct. Um, I would not be surprised if Sherwin's like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with the, being president well yeah and pulley's term has what a year left in it year and a half right yeah so i mean unless sherwin's in a position where he can leave his job and be president for a year like i i don't right i can't imagine he wants to like quit his job if he's four or five years from retirement or something to go do this for a year yeah that's a good point yeah um so then there would probably be a special election, uh, which I'm sure there's several people lining up ready to uh I know at least one person that would that would run for it. Um so 
we'll see how many how many people want to sign up. It's decent. Like it pays like 150 grand or something like well, that. It, like it's not terrible. It, it it pays way more than it should. Yeah. Like yeah. Our, the the organization's expenditures are seem awfully high for the number of employees and what they do. Uh, I think the president's pay is actually somewhat comparable to other organizations of similar size. Uh, I haven't done like all the numbers, but I think th- I think the president's pay is somewhat comparable. Um, yeah, but I think- five years five years ago, that was a fifty five thousand dollar year part time job. Like it's, I think it's on the on the high side now, especially when you count. Like we are all paying for all the travels of every match they go to and all that stuff. Like. I don't think it should be that high. I I honestly, I'm all fine. I'm 100% fine with the president being paid well. Because if that gets somebody who's more qualified, like if that gets somebody who is qualified to want to apply for it, then I'm all for that. Um, yeah. Like, so I don't really have a problem with the, because uh, I don't think it's a revenue issue from USPSA. Like, I don't like, I don't think that's a problem for us from our, revenue standpoint to be able to pay for that salary um now maybe some of the other salaries seem okay like, well seem what about a bit what, high. About the, what about the fact though that part of that pay is bonus related purely on the revenue of the org so then every decision is coming down like every decision you're making is directly affecting your actual paycheck that is that part of it needs to go away yeah, I don't disagree with that. Like I like that's um especially if that's something cuz the president has a vote in board decision as well um equal to the other board members. Um so I, I think anything that basically he's voting on that would affect his pay, I don't think he should be allowed to vote for. At the very at the very least that should be something that he shouldn't be allowed to vote for. Um but yeah, I being basically 100% growth oriented uh in in your bonuses, I think is wrong. Maybe there should be some in that because I think growth is important, but I also think maybe like a, uh, shooter satisfaction surveys at the end of nationals, because that's, I mean, that's the president's job is to run nationals, right? Like that's their, like they're supposed to be MD for that. So do a shooter satisfaction survey at the end of that. Are the shooters happy shooter satisfaction at the end of the year? Just all USPSA right. members. Were you happy with our sport? Are you happy with the direction it's going? Are you happy with the directions, the decisions that the president has made? Uh, and maybe there's some sort of uh, equation in there as far as what those equal uh, to, where, to where he's is the president satisfying the current members in USPSA and is he growing the sport as well? Yeah, and I, I wouldn't have an issue if there's a bonus. Like, say, say right now there's 35,000 members. If there's a bonus for having 40,000 members at the end of the year, like, I wouldn't have an issue with that. It, but a bonus being paid off of purely off of revenue. Hey, the org had 200,000 in surplus money this year. The president gets 30,000 of it or something. Like, that. That's not the. that's not a good way to do that because... Is that how it currently is? It's my understanding that's how it currently set up. Hmm. I don't. Yeah, know I, don't, if, I don't. I don't buy that. I don't. I don't know for sure. So it's my understanding. But if if that is the fact, that is, I don't think that's the right way to run the award because that's money that could have been maybe better put to use at nationals or better put to use to enhance the experience of you know area matches or even your local clubs or something. Like it, it's something that could have been put back into the sport and utilized in a better manner, other than paying a higher salary. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with just basically going on. How much money do we have in the bank account? Okay, we exceeded this, so you get some money. I don't, I don't agree with that. I would not be surprised if that is true, because it seems like a lot of the decisions that we're all scratching our head over have been very much based on revenue. No, I mean right. that. I mean, clearly, this administration has been all just how much more growth and how much more revenue can we create, not how quality of a product can we produce. I don't. I don't think there would be that many people that would argue with me on that standpoint. If you do, send me an email or send me a private message and tell me how wrong I am. I love to get those. Yeah, Jeremy at Reed Custom Pistols. Reed Pistol Smithing. At- <laughs> 
Gmail. That's fine. Oh, read pistolsmithing at gmail.com. Yeah. Or Facebook, Instagram. You know what? Hold on. You can just text him. Let me get you his number. Yeah. No, we're not doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Good talk. Good talk. Good talk. All right. Well, let's, uh, we got, we got a, a decent listener topic for discussion this week. Let's, uh, let's finish the show up with it. Okay. So we had a gentleman message us and he's, he said his topic for discussion. We often hear advice on stage plans and risk versus reward. What specifically do each of you do explicitly quantify that and how it plays into a stage plan? Things like taking a long or difficult shot versus running up, etc. Jeremy, why don't you give us an answer first? I mean, that's <laughs> that's like that's a uh, that's a tough one as far as like how you manage your, your risk award. I think part of it, you need to know like what you're like, what you're good at and what you're confident in. Um, if you're confident in shooting distance and you've got the option to like, it makes, it makes sense to shoot a target at 20 yards versus shooting it later on where you can be closer and shooting at 10 yards and you feel confident you can quickly shoot alphas then that might make sense. Um, general rule of thumb, if you can get closer to a target, get closer to a target. Like that's, that's your general rule of thumb that like, it's, it's usually not worth it to try to shoot stuff from really far away. When you get into low cap divisions, it often becomes a matter of like, if you can say, if you can shoot one target at 20 yards and save a standing load, then yeah, you probably do that. Um, but if it's often, even if, if you're at like, if you've got three or four targets and like they're partialed up and you're at 20 yards or something, or you can have a standing load and shoot them closer up, I often find myself tending a lot more towards closer up. I can shoot quicker with better hits um, and just eat the standing load, and the risk is way lower. For me, it's just, it's kind of uh, when I'm doing the whole risk award thing, uh, there's lots of guys that have like, they have like calculations in their head. Like if it's this distance and it's this, and that meets this requirement, this requirement, I'm not doing it. So like, like Mason, I think has a pretty, he he's given some videos. And I think if you take a Mason class, he goes through pretty in depth on like, if it meets this scenario and it meets this and it meets this, then you don't do it. But if it does this and does this, then that's a go. And so you might go for it. Um, and it also depends on where you're at in the match. You know, like if you, listen to like JJ's what his thought process and like his last day of the nationals and stuff, what he was trying to do, basically going to the last day, he was tied. He lost like 60 points in the first couple of stages or something like that. And he's trying to make that up in like four stages. So risk award is, is completely out the window and it's a hundred percent. What is the maximum hit factor I can get on? Like what is the highest hit factor available on this stage? I'm going for that plan. And so, like, it, there's kind of scenarios sometimes that change in how you uh, decide when to do that. Most people are not in that situation. Most people is just what is the most likely highest hit factor that I can get on a stage? And often that is what is the most repeatable option that I can get a good hit factor on a stage. And that's usually kind of where you're going to want to line up against. I don't know if that answers. I don't know if I answered his question or not. Uh, I think you. I think you didn't ride by the way. Jeff, how about you? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff looks unready. Do you want me to go? Uh, no, I'll go. Uh, kind of like what Jeremy was saying. Um, for me, a big part of risk award is just knowing what I can do. Um, and for the most part, I'm that guy that Jeremy's talking about that's like, Okay, what is, what is the most feasible plan that I can do at this? Like, I'm not looking for the the stage win. What's the most aggressive stage uh, plan that I can do and um, crank out the most points? For me, it's it's pretty much all about risk risk management. Like, I don't I don't want the big train wreck. That's what I'm avoiding at a match. So. Um, if there's an aggressive uh, activator sequence that I'm not comfortable with, like 100%, I'm like, I might not make that. I don't do it. 
because I don't want that train wreck. I mean, if, if I don't make that activator sequence, well, I mean, that could mean I lose 30 points on the stage. Or I could run a conservative plan and maybe I'm 10 points behind the leader, something like that. Um, so I, I pretty much always go with the conservative, conservative plan. Um, I've never really been in a situation where I need to run an aggressive plan. Uh, cause I don't, I guess one of the issues is I don't, I don't track scores that closely. So I don't know if I need, you know, five extra points to, to, to beat somebody. Um, so I'm pretty much playing the consistency game and with the consistency game, you know, you want to shoot as fast and as clean as you can, but you need to know what you're capable of. You need to know how quickly you can make that transition, how quickly you can make a follow-up shot, um, on, on a swinger, um, stuff like that. So it's a huge part of risk management is just knowing what you're capable of. You need, you need to be digging into your timer, looking at your timer, um, seeing, okay, well, I ran this split on that target so that when that target shows up and it's like, okay, I want to grab this target after this activator, before I hit the mover, you know, it's going to take you this much time to hit that target. Um, so you'll know if you're going to run out of time or if you have enough time. Uh, so massive, massive part of risk management and taking, taking risk is knowing what you're capable of. I'll, I'll kind of build on what you said. So obviously knowing what you're, you're capable of is the, is the most important part when you're measuring the risk versus the reward. But more so than just that, like, looking at the stage as a, as a total package is going to be important that because let's say it's a really low hit factor stage. The points are going to become far more important than the time. So if, if it costs you two seconds more time or something, but the shots are going to be way easier and you know, you're going to shoot two alpha on them instead of, you know, maybe in the first position, that target is a 25 yard shot. But if you move an extra two seconds at the end of the mat at the end of the stage, or four seconds or whatever, but you're saving time on the shot, and it's going to be a ten yard open target with you know two easy A's, that's going to make it really easy. I would anytime you're looking at risk versus reward, you have to be confident that you could make the shots that you're looking at. So if if you're unsure, going with what you feel is a safer plan is probably always going to be a better option. Um, but it still, it comes back to if you have to see the whole thing as, as a package, the entire stage, just like making one really risky shot to, to save a, a second on a 30 second stage or something doesn't make any sense at all. But you might be thinking you're, you're making a risk to, to gain some points there. But at the end of the day, if you, if you make that shot perfectly and you beat everybody else on that stage, you gain two or three points, but your disaster factor is, you know, you lose 15 points if you have two makeup shots on it or something. And probably the easiest way I can describe it though, is just like considering the entire stage and what you are capable of. Yeah. Yeah. Then, I also tend to oh, go ahead, Jeff. Well, just another part of, uh, like determining if you're going to take like a really long shot, Opposed to running up. I think that was in his question, wasn't it? Yeah, that to, was his uh, example. Okay, so like when it comes to something like that, like you need to play to your strengths, right? That's that's something of knowing what you're capable of. Uh, like kind of Area 3 last year, they had that one stage with the freaking 50-yard poppers on it. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm way better at running than I am shooting. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run up there and shoot those. And, you know, I've heard people say, oh, well, you know, bullet goes faster than you can run. I was like, ah, okay, whatever. Um, yeah, if, if it comes to something like that, I like, I'm, I'm going to think about it a lot. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to look at the risk, you know, on the, on that particular stage, there was, I was going to be running to like seven shots anyway, or I was going to be making extra loads just to shoot those, those long targets. So I would have extra rounds because I was going to need them. Um, but when it comes to something like that, it's like, man, I'm going to have one or two makeup shots. It's a 50 yard target. 
It's going to take forever on that site picture. I have to go halfway there anyway because there's targets up there. Uh, yeah, I'm going to run up there. And so that's what I did. I just, you play to your strengths is, uh, yeah. is a big part. Like no matter what Jared comes and tells me to do on a stage, like if, if it doesn't play to my strengths, like if it, if it, if to run the plan that he's saying, I have to, it, it tackles like my weaknesses and I have to like be really good at those, then I'm not going to do it. Um, I'm going to do a different plan because I'm better at doing other stuff than Jared is. So yeah, just know what you're capable of, know what you're strong at and do that. Well, what you said, there's a good example of like looking at the entire stage, like walking up to that one in area three last year, it, it looked very obvious. It's like, Oh, you definitely don't want to run to the end. But at the end of the day, that was not a bad stage plan. Like it, it was, it did not give up much. Yeah. Because you certainly you had you had substantially more movement time there, but you saved a ton of shooting time in the back, and as well as probably a reload or something for single stack. Yeah. Or if you went to war with those poppers, right? Like what? What if it happens in that situation where you just can't get it, and then you have to run up there anyway? You're like, oh shit! And you bail on shooting them from the back, and then you got to run up there, right? So it's eliminating that. It's like, I know I don't want to go to war with that if that happens. So I'm just not going to do that. Yeah. Stage one at area three is almost always a great example of this. They almost <laughs> always give an option of shooting some sort of 50 yard stuff. Sometimes they force you to shoot it at 50, which I kind of like when they force you to shoot at least something at 50. But there's almost always an option to shoot it at 50 or run up and get it closer. Um, and that, like that, the, the question there becomes, okay, if I run up, I'm guaranteed this time and I'm guaranteed decent hits. Like, like I'm like, I'm like, that's, that's there. Yeah. If you stay back, you might be guaranteed a better time. You're almost guaranteed worse hits. Like you're like, it's like a 50 yards, like under the gun, like not many people are busting all A's. At 50 yards. Like not, very, not with iron sights. <laughs> yeah, right. We're talking iron sights here. Um, you know, and the dots, dot guns and stuff, that changes that changes the equation oftentimes on what's hard and what's not. But um, so like you have this if you if you decide to shoot something like stage one at area three for all from the back, you are going to have a massive range of what your time and hits could be. Like it could be great. Yeah. Like if you connect and like you happen to be com- complete control of your of your shooting, uh, it might be great, and it might be really bad. Yeah. Um, well, and so you could like it's a deal that you can't. You probably can't win the match on it. Like again, maybe it's your last stage of the match and you're shooting with your buddy, like like Jeff and I were a couple of years ago or a year ago. I can't remember when it was, and we we knew where we were at. You know, maybe it would have, if that had been our last stage, then maybe the person that was behind might have decided, okay, if I run up, I can't gain any points because he ran up and he shot it well. So I'm going to stay back and I might, and you might, you might go for the home run hit because you're not, you're not going to win otherwise, maybe. But if it's not your last, that you're not in that scenario, um, you could certainly lose the match on that one. Um, but you're not going to, you're not going to win it on that one. Um, the other thing that I also consider, um, is what is the duration of the risk? Uh, so it's like, is it one target? Like if, let's say you're you're moving through a stage and there's one target that like you really, like it's just one target and you don't really want to s- set up solid. Like maybe you need to get A's, maybe you would need to set up and post up just to hit it, but maybe you could go through on the move and still get two decently good hits. Maybe even throw a delta, but you're going to get decent hits. Um, to me, that's kind of where you're, it's like, okay, that's a fairly limited risk, but I'll take that risk, um, to get the better, the better stage plan through it. Whereas if it was three targets that you're trying to shoot all in a row, all on the move, then all of a sudden that risk reward goes is that's much harder, right? Um, your round count is also a factor. Like if you're single stack major, you're going to nine. I want to be dead solid on every single shot that I'm throwing in that mag um you're shooting single stack you got 
you got a two open paper and a a mini popper that you can back out on that's 12 yards and you're going to have four or five extra shots for it. Yeah, maybe go ahead and take that risk and try to back out on it. Um and and that may not that might be something worth doing. Um for me it, it's it you can do the equation thing and you can know what your equation is if it meets this requirement I do this. Um what are you most comfortable with in and what is the simplest stage plan is usually going to be what's going to reward you with the best match performance, I think. Yeah. And I'll point out, I think that's probably a less than ideal example of risk versus reward. A lot of times when you're taking a risk in a match, it's more like you were talking about maybe backing out on a mini popper or, or maybe you're shooting a not so hard partial on the move to save a little bit of time or with low cap divisions, you know, production, maybe you're, you're, you're taking this extra paper before you reload to have a little more optimum space to reload or something. A lot of times that's more the type of risk versus reward you're going to take where the disaster factor is pretty low. And I think that's probably a better way to approach it. Like if it has a really, really high risk, unless there is just a massive amount of reward there, there's no way it's worth it. Like if, if you nailing this stage is the difference in second and first place at nationals, then yeah, the, the level of risk that you'll accept is probably way higher. But if you're talking a, a local match or your state match, or you've been in an area match where if you take a massive risk on this stage, maybe you get 12th place instead of 11th or 12th place instead of 13th. Like, but if you mess it up, you're in 16th place instead of 13th. Like it's not worth the risk. Yeah. Yeah. General rule of thumb, you don't take any risk. Like your, your, your whole point is to come up with a stage plan that has zero risk in it. Right. That's, that's what you're trying to come up with. You're trying to come up with a stage plan that has these lowest amount of risk in it. Yeah, um, yeah. And if, if there is risk that you have to take, either you're forced to it because like a stage designer puts in, like you have to go to nine rounds. Like there's sometimes like there's just, I'm talking single stack major. Like you're, you're basically forced that you have to do it. Yeah. Okay. Um, like there's no, I can't, I can't stage plan out of that. So I just got to, I got to suck it up and do it. Otherwise you're going to, you're almost never going to plan to go to nine. Yeah. I think, uh, people try to make up too much risk, right? Um, Yeah. So you take like a, I don't know, a B or an A class shooter and if they would just shoot a match at the speed they're comfortable shooting with like a decent stage plan and not try to do anything crazy, like if they could finish a match doing that without trying to do anything crazy, like they would finish so well. And like, I think very few of them do this, so they don't ever see it. Um, but you don't have to shoot that fast. And you don't have to do any crazy stuff to finish really well at a match. You just have to be consistent and not take a bunch of risk. Like everybody else is screwing up for you. Uh, just don't screw up. Just go and shoot a good <laughs> safe stage plan and uh, shoot a good stage plan, shoot solid points, see your sights, um, shoot a good match. You know, don't, if you're at that level, you shouldn't be taking any risk. I don't think. Uh, yeah. You should just be getting through the stages as clean as possible. Yeah, that's a good point. Shoot the plan that you're most confident that you can shoot good points on. And it's probably going to prevail most of the time. Yeah. I think like, I think you'll crush everybody in your division. If you shoot, if you shoot a match like that, you'll crush them. Go big or go home. <laughs> Going fast looks better on Instagram. <laughs> right yeah that was a good one I like that one yeah I don't know if we answered uh, what was his name uh, well whatever his name was uh, it was John John uh, if we didn't answer it um, tell us to ask what she was terrible his ter- his response was terrible and you need he needs to clarify yeah <laughs> just reword and resubmit yeah if uh Anybody else has questions, though, we'd love to hear from you either on Facebook or Instagram. Shoot us questions, so we'll 
Try to work them into the show when possible. Or raidpistolsmithing at gmail.com. That'll yes. work too. Or you can text him. <laughs> Just message the uh, group, ch- uh, message the Facebook page for your cell phone number. I'll send it right I'm over. I'm sure Jared will be happy. Jared will be happy to send I, that out to as I many people as possible. I would gladly share it. You can have I'm Jeff's sure too. Would. Yeah. Yeah. Send it all over. All right. That was a good one. I enjoyed that. Shall we pinch it off here? I think so. Okay. Peace. Oh, stop recording, damn it. <laughs>